The scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Well, that was very enthusiastic. I like that. Um, for those of you that do not know me, because I know that I do have some old school friends that came out to join us this morning. My name is Tom Watson, uh, and to give you a brief introduction, uh, this is home for me. Uh, I grew up here in the Charleston area. I grew up out in Ladson, uh, graduated from Stahl High School. My wife and I met at Charleston Southern, uh, and after some time roaming around the Carolinas, I went to seminary in, uh, at RTS Charlotte. Uh, my wife uh, and kids are here with us. Uh, we just moved back down to the area actually two weeks ago yesterday. Um, so it, we're excited to be back home. Uh, this is home. And so I'm, I'm excited to be here with y'all. I'm excited for the opportunity to come and bring the word with you this morning. Uh, but one more little thing about me, and this is actually what we're getting into this morning is, I don't know about you, but I love to read. It's just, it's something that, that uh, it fills my heart, my life uh, with, with joy and, and substance. Um, and for, uh, for those of you that enjoy reading as well, you, you might understand the concept that there are, there's this thing called genres. Um, like when, when, Every night before bed, we have story time with our kids. We, we read through a book. We actually just finished reading through the entire Chronicles of Narnia. Um, but as much as they love story time, they would be bored to death if I were to pull out Dan Allender's Leading with a Limp. They, they don't want nonfiction. They want stories. And so the concept of genres uh, helps us understand what we're getting into. Uh, picking up a mystery novel is going to read different from the collected poetry of Robert Frost, which is going to read differently than a Haynes auto repair manual. We read these things, but we understand going into them that we read them differently because they're written for different purposes. And I think a lot of times it's easy to forget that Scripture is the same way. The historical narrative of, of Genesis or the Gospels is supposed to be read differently than the letters from Paul, which is supposed to be read differently from the Psalms and the Proverbs. They're all good to be read and understood and applied, but they're all different genres, and they read in different ways. And the Psalms, as we are getting into this morning, the Psalms are a hymnal. It's the hymn book of God's people for generations. 
going back all the way to the Old Testament. These, these, these psalms are meant to be used in worship and for personal worship and for congregational worship. That they bring God's people together and let the heart cry out with full emotion and devotion to God. There's a, uh, an amazing documentary on Netflix about local government called Parks and Rec. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, it's, it's not a documentary. Um, but uh, one of our, my wife and I, one of our favorite characters in the show, uh, his name is Chris Traeger, and he's just this upbeat, nonstop personality. Uh, but there's one moment where they're entering his home, and he shares this line. The entranceway to your home sends a message to the world about who you are. And that's what Psalm 1 is. It is the entranceway into the Psalms, and it is crying out, it is screaming, this is what you're getting into. It's the very first song that you are supposed to read and sing and understand in this hymn book. And it sets the tone for the rest of the book of the Psalms. And I would even argue that in this psalm, the psalmist is saying that every person can find blessing in God. Now let me nuance that because blessing can be uh, a very misapplied word in our culture, but it's not blessing according to the world. It's not, oh, I reached my hand into my pocket and I found a $20 bill that I forgot about. Hashtag blessing. It's not that. But it's blessing in life and hope and eternity. It's more than just the, the, uh, the physical uh, day-to-day aspects, but it's, it's blessing of something deeper and more eternal than just finding money or, or having an extra day off of work. And so the psalmist is saying that every person can find blessing in God in these three ways. By knowing where true wisdom comes from, by knowing where true life comes from, and by knowing that they are truly known. Uh, Before we get into uh, the rest of the sermon, let's take time to to pray and thank God for His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time together that we can come and worship uh, as Your people, that we can come and receive Your Word, that we can come and bring our offering of our time uh, uh, and our lives to give back to You. And as we receive your word this morning, I pray that you would pour your spirit into this place, that you would speak through me, that these would not be my words, but that you would speak through me. Let, the, let your word strike to the very bone of who we are. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Christ. Amen. First, let's look at what the psalmist is saying about knowing true wisdom. Uh, And that's going back to to verses 1 and 2 where he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's saying, blessed is this person. And just for, for quick clarification, it's not just restricted to men, but it's saying, blessed is the one, blessed is the person. And this word for blessing is not just this uh, blessing in terms of wealth or gain, but it's this blessing of how happy is the person 
who does these things. How happy and content and joyful is the person who does not do these sinful things, but does this. And it's a contrast between walking in the counsel of the wicked, the standing in the way of sinners, the sitting in the seat of scoffers. There's this progression of the walking, the, 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 the standing, the sitting, the, the familiarity and the association. And this is contrasted against delighting in the law of God and meditating on his law. And quickly, let me tell you what this is not saying. This is not saying, do not associate with sinners. We live in a fallen, broken world that is impossible to do. But even more so, Scripture tells us that we have to associate with sinners. One, because we are sinful ourselves and we have been redeemed. And we have to go and share that redemption with other broken people. We are called to be the salt and the light of the world. And so I would even say that if, if your life, because I've been victim of this as well, but if your life is, is in this Christian bubble where you surround yourselves with no one but other believers, that's not healthy because we're called to take this gospel and take it out into the world. But what this is saying, is saying don't look for wisdom like those who do not follow God. There's, like I said, there's this sense of identification and belonging, and I want to ask, where does your wisdom come from? Because overwhelmingly, non-Christian thought, non-Christian belief uh, says that you are the source of your own wisdom and understanding, that you know what is best for you. And, and I didn't ask him about this, but I'm actually going to reference my, my son Isaac right now because a lot of times he likes to argue with us as mom and dad about what is best for him to do or not do. And I love my son dearly, but for someone that would be content with a bowl of syrup for breakfast, the, 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 the most wise decision does not always land in the lap of a seven-year-old. And so as his parents, we are here to help him learn and grow and understand because we want what is best for him. But unfortunately, a lot of times it's easy to turn away from, from Scripture. In our fallen nature, we turn and we rely on our own understanding like a seven-year-old arguing with mom and dad, we want to turn from our heavenly father and say, no, I know what is best for me. Now, right now, it'd be easy to point fingers at the non-believers. It'd be easy to, to point and say, all right, well, these are things that the, that the world is saying and doing wrong. But even within uh, our, our Christian family, we're victim of this as well. Over things like how we spend or invest our money, the best way to raise our kids, the way that we treat others, especially when they are different from us, either uh, racially or economically, whatever, the way that we forgive other people. Oftentimes we turn from what Scripture says is the wise thing to do and we rely on our own understanding. 
The psalmist is saying that your delight should be in the law of God. There should be joy in his world. And this law is not uh, just confined to the Ten Commandments or, or whatever. It's not just saying, all right, God has a list of things that you can and cannot do, and you should be happy with that. No, the, the word for law here is the same throughout the, the Old Testament for uh, instruction, teaching. When he's saying that you should delight in the law of God, you should delight in what God has communicated to his people. Your delight should be in his instruction. You should meditate on it day and night. That when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about what God has told you. When you go to bed at night, you're remembering the things that God has promised you throughout Scripture. When you leave here after church this morning, I hope that you go on your drive home that you're saying, is what he said even true? Go back to Scripture and evaluate what I have to say. Because just because I'm up here preaching does not mean that I am 100% right in everything that I say and do. So please, go back to the Scripture. What does God's Word mean to, to us, to you, right now? What, is it, what does God's Word have to say when you have to go back to work to that annoying coworker that sits right next to you? What does God's word have to say to those of you that are going back to school next week? And I'm sorry to trudge up that horrible memory, but it's happening. You can't avoid it. But God's word speaks to you as well. What does God's word have to say about you going back and starting a new school year? I wonder if this is what Paul had in mind at the beginning of chapter 12 in Romans where he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Because this is what the psalmist is saying. Do not be like the rest of the world. Do not get your understanding and your wisdom like the rest of the world does but be transformed by the instruction, the law, the word of God. So that when that time of testing comes, there's blessing and delight in the instruction and wisdom of God. And that wisdom helps to know where true life comes from as well. Moving on to verses 3 and 4, the psalmist says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The psalmist is saying that uh, the person whose delight is in the Lord is like a tree planted by the water, that there's stability, there's vitality. Yielding fruit in its season, there's productivity, there's growth. That life is not stagnant. Its leaf does not wither. There, again, there are signs of life and durability. And in all that he does, he prospers. Not prosperity in the sense of Joel Osteen or name it and claim it. That you tell God what you want and he's going to give it to you. But there is prosperity 
in God's Word. There's prosperity in the Spirit that God's Word does not return void. And the psalmist is saying, when your delight is in the Word of God, that Spirit brings a spiritual prosperity. And again, there's the contrast with the wicked where he says, the wicked are not so, but like chaff. And for those of you that are not familiar uh, with your agricultural terms, the, this is the leftover waste, the dry casings from after milling the, the grain and the straw. And this is the waste that just blows away in the wind. And so there's this contrast of this tree with deep roots planted by the streams of water that is constantly uh, just full of vitality and life, fruit and growth, contrasted with the leftover waste that blows away in the wind. For another uh, just glimpse into who I am, uh, my mom passed away in September of 2014. And, uh, and, and when this happened, we are actually in Columbia at the time at a, a PCA church there. And uh, there were a bunch, the, the, in times of grief, there are plenty of people that offer what I like to call the Christian platitudes. The, well, God does everything for a reason. And it sounds nice. But that is actually one of the worst things that you can say to someone in the midst of complete heartache and grief. It's, it's hollow and empty. But I quickly learned the people that are around me who, who were also able or who had gone through deep sorrow and grief. And those were the people that allowed me to grieve, to weep and to pour my heart out. And then, then... They would point me back to Scripture. They wouldn't just say, well, well, God does these things for a reason, but they would say, but remember the one who loves you. Remember the one who had heartache of his own, having to send his own son to the cross. And I'm constantly reminded of 2 Corinthians, where Paul writes that we are comforted in our afflictions, so that we can go out and comfort others in their afflictions. That they had experienced horrible grief, so they could share compassion and comfort in, with me in my grief, so I can go out and share compassion and comfort with others in their grief. And I don't share that with you for, for pity, but I, I share that with you because as, as I'm looking back, there's there's still that, this sense of growth in that, but, it, but it's a painful pruning. Going back to that tree metaphor of some things have to be trimmed. The things that I thought I knew and understood had to be clipped and trimmed so that way healthy growth could come in. And I look at this tree that the psalmist is saying that's planted by the water And it reminds me of Jesus as he's talking to the woman by the well. And he says that everyone who drinks of this water, the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up 
to eternal life. In my own life, I had people that kept pointing me back to that living water, reminding me where true life comes from. And the life there is vibrant and full of vitality and durability. And without that living water, you and I are nothing more than chaff, the leftover waste to be blown away by the wind. And so when calamity comes, when trouble comes into your life, and it will, it's not an if, it is a when, which are you? Are you the chaff that that just blows around with the wind? Do you lean on your own understanding and your own wisdom? Do you try to fill that, that heartache in, in your soul with, with broken relationships or, or addictions in their various forms? Even things that can look good on the outside can be life-draining, leading to death, uh, obsessing uh, unhealthily over work or even... Uh, and, and I know I'm not the epitome of example here, but obsessing with, with health care or exercise or things like that to invest so much that nothing else matters. We can take these good things and in our broken wisdom turn them from life-giving things into death. And so are you the chaff or are you the tree that's rooted by the living water? Because when you pursue that true wisdom from the law and the the word of God, when you find that true life in the living water, you begin to realize that you are truly known. And the psalmist says in verses 5 and 6, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish and this is not just times of trouble this is not the the chaos that comes into your life but here the psalmist is talking about eternal consequences eternal judgment because there will come a day when the lord comes again to put things right To make the broken things new and to restore what is his. This is King Richard showing up at the end of Robin Hood to to take his kingdom back. This is Aragorn returning in Return of the King to reclaim his kingdom. And on a much more grand and infinite scale, the Lord will return and reclaim what is his. And the psalmist says that in that day, the wicked will not have a leg to stand on. Sorry, I'm getting attacked over here. Um, That the wicked will be cast out. They will not be in the congregation of, of the righteous. That God will bring his people together And for those that lean on their own understanding, for those that try to find life outside of Him, they will be cast out. 
but the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This isn't a casual knowledge. This isn't just like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He lives right down the street from me. This isn't like, oh yeah, I, 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 I know about that obscure fact that I learned on Jeopardy two years ago. No, this isn't just a casual, useless knowledge. This is an intimate knowledge. This is a choosing. This is a preference. This is Exodus 33 where God tells Moses, you have found favor in my eyes and I know you by name. This is what David is talking about in Psalm 139 where he says, before a word is even on my tongue, you know it already. And this is what I imagine that Jesus is talking about in John 10 where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You are known by Christ. Just as the Father knows Him and He knows the Father, He knows you. That is how Christ knows His people. That is how Christ knows you. It is an intimate knowledge. That the the Son of God Himself came to earth, God in the flesh, to live and die and rise again. To know you and call you His. For those of you that turn to the wisdom of God, for those of you that turn from earthly wisdom and turn to Him, He says, you have found favor in My eyes and I know you by name. And the wicked do not have that. There is judgment. There is expulsion. And they perish. Those who scoff at the law of God, those who, who chase after life everywhere but the living water. There might be temporary blessings in this life, but when it comes to consequence of eternal reality, they will perish. And so as we're wrapping up, I want to ask, which are you? Do you look for wisdom in yourself or your stuff? or what the world has to offer, or do you delight in the law and the wisdom and the Word of God? When calamity and chaos comes, are you blown around, just scattered in the wind like the leftover waste and chaff? Or are your roots drinking deeply from the living waters of the risen Lord? When the day of judgment comes, will you perish with the wicked? Or are you resting knowing that you are redeemed and intimately known by the Son of God and risen Savior? Which are you? Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you.
for this time this morning where we can sit and reflect on your word, where we can see what the psalmist has to say about our own hearts. And God, we confess that far too often we lean on our own wisdom and our own understanding. And God, we come before your throne confessing our weaknesses. God, we pray that you would be uh, our source of wisdom and hope, that we would look to you for our strength and our joy, that we would dig our roots deep down into your living water, that we would not chase after the emptiness of what the world has to offer, but we would find life and hope in you alone. And we pray that as we leave here today, as we go back to our our homes and our families, as we go back to work and eventually back to school, God, we pray that we would rest knowing that you intimately know us. And let us rest in that truth. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.